Good afternoon. Love Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Monergy Life. This is Robert Fisher, your host. This afternoon, I have the great pleasure of welcoming Leo Babauta, who is the uh, uh, the force behind the the uh, website Zen Habits and also the author of numerous books. Uh, Leo will be joining us in a few moments, and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about his new forthcoming book, uh, which is being funded on on Kickstarter. The book is called Zen Habits, Mastering the Art of Change. Uh, Leo should be joining us in a few moments. Before he does, I'd like to talk about all the change we're witnessing today in our lives. Change seems to be the only constant that we face. You know, recently I wrote a uh, a blog post which addresses this issue. I'm going to read you a little bit from that blog post while we're waiting for Leo, and then a little bit from one of his blog posts which address the issue of changing a bad habit. Here's my blog post first, and it's called Changing Your Soundtrack. This blog post is not about changing the music you listen to on Spotify or other music streaming services. It's about changing your inner dialogue. If you are familiar with or or have read a variety of self-help books or blog posts, you know that a continuing theme in many of this these works is this, look within. But what do you do when you look within? Many of these works are silent or ambiguous about what it is that you should be looking for. After all, you can sit in one place and meditate for just so long. This is what you should be seeking. This is the next step. Change your soundtrack or inner dialogue. And how important is this? I can only share my own experience on this matter, but you should judge for yourself. Changing your inner dialogue is akin to being born again. Now, that seems like a pretty strong statement, and it is. The reason that changing your inner thoughts is so important is this. Your thoughts, your inner dialogue, create your external world. Let me repeat that. Your thoughts and inner dialogue create your external world. So when you change your soundtrack from all the negatives, such as, I can't do that, I'm not good enough for that, I'm not smart enough, to a different tune, I'm the smartest, the most loving, the most compassionate, the most capable, you get the idea, your whole world will eventually shift. And the time it takes to make this shift in your external world is this. It will vary from person to person, so please be patient. The reason why all this works is this. Reality, as we have come to understand it, is anything but fixed and is all a product of what you think and believe. Let me repeat that again. Reality, as we have come to understand it, is anything but fixed and is all a product of what you think and believe. If you find this hard to, de- hard to believe, I completely understand, because it was hard for me to grasp the importance of this in one gulp, too. The reason that it is so hard to believe this very simple principle is this. The conditioning that almost all of us receive points to the exact opposite. So in order to fully embrace this, you have to be prepared to accept that most of the information that you have received your whole life is a big fat lie. And you have to be willing to discard the conditioning that 99% of the world now believes. That is the Pepsi challenge. I know that this is hard to accept and you may not believe me and that is perfectly okay too because for those ready to take the required leap, everything that you are reading and hearing will resonate with you and the lights will be flashing in your mind. That's it. I always knew it, but it was never presented to me like this before. So that's the end of my blog post called Changing Your Soundtrack. And in the few minutes left before Leo calls in, I'd like to read a little bit about one of his 
from one of his recent blog posts called uh, The Quick Start Guide to Quitting a Bad Habit. And I'm going to read, I'm going to start a little bit uh, from the beginning, a little bit down from that. The steps to quitting a bad habit. So let's say that you're ready to quit. What do you do? What you don't do is just think quitting will be easy and start without preparing yourself. What you also don't do uh, I'm sorry, what you also don't do is think quitting will be too hard and <clears throat> and you should do it later because you don't really think you can do it. <clears throat> Instead, try these steps. One. Uh, have a deeper why. When things get tough, you'll ask yourself, why am I putting myself through this? And you should have a good answer. Be ready with answers for all your minds weaseling. For me, quitting smoking was for my kids. If I didn't quit, they'd probably smoke as grown-ups. So I didn't want them to be plagued with bad health. That was a powerful motivator for me. For others, you might do it to support the health of other people you love or yourself. Number two, make a commitment. If you're ready to quit, commit to starting your quit three to seven days from now. Mark it on your calendar and tell everyone about it. Make this a big deal in your head so that you're fully committed. One of the biggest mistakes I used to make was thinking it would be easy, so I didn't fully commit. Tell the world and count down to the days. And I think that's Leo on the phone right now. Hey, Robert. Is, how are you, Leo? I'm great. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm doing great as well. I was While waiting for you, I was just reading a little bit from one of your blog posts, the one on the quick start guide to quitting a bad habit. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I was telling our listeners how... Um, you know, change is the only constant that we're facing today, especially in the times that we're living in. Yeah, it seems that the the rate of change has accelerated. At least that's how it feels. <laughs> Absolutely, and all of us are assaulted with so much more information than we were just 10 or 20 years ago at a time when, uh, you know, I think the change was was also a huge factor then, but... I think that it's so much more in our face today because of the assault of information that we each face every day. Yeah, you know, and what's interesting is that uh, we can um, consciously decide not to do it, and that's one way to go, or we can embrace it and get good at that change. And and that's also another way to go, and I think both are valid options, but um, I think the people who are embracing it and getting good at that change are kind of going to be at the forefront of the change movement that's going on here in our society. I totally agree with you. And I think that while people should get better at embracing the change, I also think in the times we're living in, it's really important to have some designated quiet time where there is no change and you're just being. You're just alive and being and grateful for that. Yeah, well, I I definitely agree that that quiet time and uh, breaking away from all the distractions and finding some solitude, I think that's a necessity in life. And we ignore it too often, just like we ignore sleep and sanity and all that other kind of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, Exactly, exactly. And I think it's just a question of finding a balance that works for each individual. And um, I'm I'm sure that your book is going to help in that uh, in that uh, process. Uh, and I was reading about um, the uh, the the book, and it's on Kickstarter, right? Um, and it's yeah, called- I just launched the the Kickstarter campaign a few minutes ago, so I'm really excited. So this interview is very timely then. <laughs> yeah, and- exactly. <laughs> and so the new book is called Zen Habits: Mastering the Art of Change. And right. uh, I'm very excited to hear more about it. And uh, 
while I was also waiting to bring you on the air, I was looking at um, a program, an ongoing program you have, which is the Sea Change Program, and that also seems right. very interesting. Um, could you tell us a little about that, and then we'll get into um, your book? Sure. So, um, well, you know, I've been writing about mindfulness and habits and changing your life on Zen Habits for a long time. I was looking for a way to support myself while going deeper and providing value to people. So I created this monthly program, uh, it's $10 a month, uh, called Sea Change. And basically the idea of Sea Change is that you make these slow, gradual changes, but it transforms your life completely. And so what we do is we focus on one habit a month, and we have a new module each month on different habits. Although if you don't like the current habit, you can do a past one. And I give you a plan and some articles, and I do a live webinar where you can ask me questions. But the most important thing is that we have this forum where people can form accountability teams. And the people who make use of that are the people who um, are the ones most likely to succeed at their habit changes and stick to their changes for the long term. What I found that to me is fascinating is the, the people who are um, not only embracing the program and embracing change, but they are making it a social change and doing it together with other people, whether they're in the same city or somewhere around the world, um, they're doing it together, and that makes it a much more powerful thing. And so when I wrote my book, actually I kind of took some of that those ideas and I created a, a game for creating new habits, and I talked about a um, creating a movement for change where we make change together, and uh, in doing so we change not only our lives, but we change the lives of others, and, and so we change the world. You know, I love the idea of accountability because I yeah. think that all too often in our society today, people are very quick to blame others for their problems and for any challenges they have and also to label themselves as a victim. And, and uh -huh. I, think, I think accountability and responsibility is something that helps everybody because you're not pointing the finger at anyone for some issue in your life that you would like to change. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, and the other thing about that, too, is that it's accountability is one side of it and support is the other. And I, I think it's it becomes a really powerful thing when we support each other. Because otherwise, you know, um, you, you're kind of standing alone while you're facing these tough changes. And that's, you know, that can be done, but I, I found that we're we're much better off if we um, support each other. So accountability, I think, is, is part of it, which is that it helps you to stick to the change when you're facing resistance and you, you know that people are going to be watching you, uh, so you want to stick to that change. But you also have the support when you're going through a tough time and you need help and you ask for, for people's help. So I think those two go, go hand in hand. And that's kind of what makes the social um, aspect of change such a, a great thing. I think that's uh, that's extremely valid, um, and I'm just curious as we get further into this topic of change, um, what do you think is the root of people's resistance to change? Yeah, well, in my in my book, I talk about this the concept of the childish mind, which I think is something that we all have inside of us, um, and we don't really realize how powerful this mind is um, and how it resists. Um, so many different types of changes, but what what it is is it's kind of like there's this little kid that's living inside of us, and it doesn't it likes to be comfortable, and it doesn't like change so much because change is something new and uncomfortable. It doesn't like hard work. It doesn't like pain or um, or any of that kind of stuff. And so it rebels really strong when we face that. So we like. You know, it's great when we embrace a new change and we say we're going to go out and exercise. But when we go out there and it's tough, then the next day we have to get up there again and, and it's we know we're going to face something really uncomfortable. That little childish mind rebels and says, no, I don't want to do this. And it complains right. and it can throw a tantrum. And it can um, talk you out of it and can say, oh, let's rest right now. You deserve a break. And so there's all right. these things going on, and I think that childish mind inside of us is, is kind of the, um, the, the cause of it all. So in a certain respect, the culture of comfort that we have in a, in a place like the United States prevents people from mm -hmm. dropping some bad habits because they're too insulated. 
Yeah, I mean, I think everyone has that. It, it is uh, human nature that we have it, but I definitely think that, like you said, the culture of comfort, it kind of coddles that a little bit more, and we don't get to having our way. we used to having the comfort that we're, you know, that we get accustomed to, and so it's it's uh, hard to break out of it. And I think uh, we, we've always had that as human beings, but I think um, it. We don't. We've gotten out of the habit of uh, pushing through those hard things and uh, ignoring the resistance of the childish mind. Mm-hmm. And where do you think um, fear plays in in holding people back from making changes they'd like to do? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really the same thing. Uh, so fear mm-hmm. and resistance and the childish mind are really all the same thing. We um, Fear really does stop us. So, you know, again, procrastination, I think, is another form of fear. When we don't do a habit, we're we're procrastinating out of fear, fear of failure, fear of not being good enough, fear that we're going to be, you know, we're going to fail, and not not only fail, but we are going to uh, look really bad, and so humiliation in front of other people. Um, So all of this stuff stops us from, from making changes. It, it keeps right. us to, uh, procrastinating, and um, it it caused a lot of problems in my life. So that's why it's something mm-hmm. that I've been uh, experimenting with for for some years now. Yeah, I read some of your blog posts, and and you you get very personal about some of the issues that you overcame, and certainly procrastination prevented you from starting in that process of change. Um, you know, it, it's very interesting because I think all of us have this image of ourselves, you know, if if you ask somebody to describe themselves and said to them, who are you? You get some very uh-huh. interesting and divergent answers depending on who you ask, <laughs> right? Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. And we all have this soundtrack in our minds about who we are and what we're capable and not capable of. And And when it comes down to it, these are just thought forms. These are just ideas that we picked up. Mm-hmm. And they have no, the, they have the, they have as much weight as we ascribe to it. And I think what prevents a lot of people from making changes is the soundtrack in their mind about who they are right. and what they're capable and not capable of doing. Right. Yeah. So I mean, you, you mentioned some of my changes. That stopped me for a long time. Exactly what you're saying. Um, I. I had failed at, at habit change a number of times for a lot of different reasons, but what it did is it like it formed that self image, you know, the story that I told myself about myself. Right. Um that that I can't do it. That I, exactly. I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not disciplined enough. And so I, I lost that trust in myself because of this self image that I had formed. But the amazing thing about it, and you, you mentioned how change is kind of a, a basic fact of life. Um, the One of the great things about change, it can be scary, but it also can be an opportunity for reinvention. And Absolutely. so what I learned um, through through my habit changes was I could reinvent who I was to myself. And like you said, it's just a concept. It's just an idea. Exactly. Platform. And so if if that's true, why not make up a new story about yourself and say, no, I absolutely. can do this. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's what I did, and um, I love that idea, that change. Because we're always changing, we can now um, reinvent that ourselves. Re, uh, it's an opportunity for reinvention. Um, and so we're pretty much always able to start from a blank slate anytime we want to. Right, and I think what holds people back is they get attached to this idea they have about themselves. And they don't right. realize that every human being is given free will. And that free will is something you could exercise or choose not to exercise in every moment. That's right. And what I think you're talking about um, in in the whole idea of sea change and also in this new book is people actually exercising their free will and making some very conscious changes in their life. Yeah, I I think um, we do get caught up in the unconscious choices that we make because that's what we're used to doing. Right. And what that leads to then is a life that maybe we don't like so much because we've let these unconscious choices uh, dictate how our lives have become. Uh, but yeah, you can start making conscious choices. Again, start to reinvent who you are. Start to reinvent your your habits. 
And what I found for that is making small changes one at a time um, is, a, is a great way to do that, to gradually change your life rather than trying to drastically sweep everything aside and start anew. It's kind of good to... It's it, it's something that, that uh, makes the, the change more lasting is if you do it gradual um, and you know slowly over time. Now, what are some of the techniques that you talk about in your new book that will help people make these small changes? So, um, in the book, I ask people to make, I challenge people to make one small change um, while reading the book, and so you can start to put the ideas into practice. And so, one of the first things is how do you overcome the initial resistance to change? Um, and so, I give people some some different. Uh, tips for, for doing that, some different tactics. So one is to make the change as small as possible. So if, when, you know, when I first started running, for example, I, I wanted to run you know, a marathon, but I couldn't do that. Right. So what I decided to do was just go out and run for a few minutes. Exactly. And, you know, run for five minutes. And I could do that. And that was something I couldn't say no to. And I would, it would feel stupid not to be able to do it. Um, and then there were days when I didn't even feel like doing that. And so another tip I give in the book, uh, another chapter is when you're feeling really you know, resistant to going out and doing your run or whatever it is that you want to do, um, tell yourself all you have to do is lace up your shoes and get out the door. And that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you, if you do something like that, it's, there's no objection to that. And so if you can remove all objections to, to making the change, then uh, you're, you know, that you you lower the bar so that it's so easy you can't say no. Um, and so that's what I tell people to do. You know, if it's meditation, don't say you're going to meditate for half an hour. Say all you got to do is put your butt on the cushion, and um, and you'll do it. If you want to write, all you have to do is open up a document and write three words. And those are so easy that you there's no way you're going to object to that. So and once you get started, you're probably going to go a little bit more than that, but. The idea is just to form the habit of starting, um, and so those are those are some of the change uh, ideas I have for the resistance of uh, getting started. Yeah, I, I love I love the idea of uh, of starting small. I think that's really brilliant. And um, like you said, how many people could object to those small steps? How could you object to that? Yeah. If you are objecting to it, then you um, are probably making the wrong change. If you can't even, you know, <laughs> you can't even get out the door. Um, you might want to choose a different change. There might be something <laughs> else going on there. Right. And uh, I, I think it's also true that once people see that it's not so hard to overcome the resistance that they've basically, that they've put up themselves in their own mind, um, then it would motivate them to take larger steps, go for a run for 15 minutes instead of five minutes, you know, and eventually yeah. in maybe a year's time, you could be in a marathon. You know, that's how it works. Yeah, that's how it worked for me. I mean, quite literally, I started at five minutes, and a year later I ran my first marathon, which was <laughs> exactly. an amazing triumph, but I couldn't have done that when I first started. So it really no, shows the power of gradual change. It It is really, really true. And um, from reading your blogs, I see that you've made a lot of changes in your life, um, and you're in a much different place than you were 10 years ago. And 10 years is not that long a period of time. You yeah. know, for and, and just think about all the different changes in every aspect of your life that you've made. Uh, it's pretty monumental. Yeah, uh, it's really amazing, actually. It is, it is um, amazing. And, and I think it shows people you know the the breadth in, uh, of which change can can be made and how anybody really i mean i i feel that way i know that i've made huge changes in my life um i don't know if you know i used to be an attorney okay i went to law school and i uh -huh. hated it it i you know i just hated the energy associated with it and and what right. you were expected to do and i gradually got out of it you know, I made certain changes in my life that allowed me to never have to practice law again. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I mean, uh, it wasn't even, it didn't even have to take 10 years. I I, um, I made great changes within one year and then even more after two. But yeah, 10 years, it's um, astounding how much change you can make in that time. But it, you know, like some people, 
can't even comprehend what they'll be like 10 years from now. So just say, you know, in one year, you can, if you made one change a month, you'd have 12 new habits. And that's, right. that's quite a, a lifestyle change is 12 new habits. Absolutely, absolutely. And then when you're able to sustain those changes and you look at yourself after, let's say, a year and you look and you're a completely different person, it's got to be extremely empowering for somebody to be in that position. Yeah, I don't know how many people have written to me with those kinds of stories. Um, just taking that idea of small changes um, and gradual progress, but they've changed their lives like completely. I, I, it's really astounding to me um, how how many changes people have made, and um, it's a powerful thing when you start making these positive changes. I totally agree. And so what are some of the other um, chapters in the new book that we could look forward to that help people make these changes? Yeah, so um, I I started to talk about why it is that we um, we face this resistance. And I talked about the childish mind, but I also talk about this idea. I um, I bring up the idea that we play this movie in our minds about uh, what life is like, what we should be right. like, what other people should be like. This, you know, this. Uh, oh, that's a soundtrack. Yes, yeah, it's a soundtrack. Yeah, exactly. And so I call it a mind movie because I, I I see things in visual, but there's definitely right. a sound, a story going on here. Absolutely. And um, we start to believe that this is real, and when reality doesn't go the way that we we want things to go, like we want someone else to behave a certain way. In right. our minds, they should behave that way. But when they don't, we get really frustrated with them. Absolutely. And we do the same thing with ourselves. If we say, oh, I'm going to stick to this new diet, and then we don't, um, the problem isn't that what we ate. The problem is that we have not met up to our ideals, to this mind movie or soundtrack that we have playing in our heads. And so that becomes really um, frustrating or a cause of anxiety or anger or disappointment. And so all of these things are caused by that process. And I, I show you how to, to look at habit change because a lot of times when, let's say you wanted to go um, running again as the example. If we right. uh, go out, we had this idea of how great the run's going to be and how fabulous we're going to look afterward because we've you know, been disciplined and you know, exercised. But when we go out for the run, it's way harder than we thought. It doesn't match up to that uh, story that we told ourselves. And now we struggle because we um, we we haven't it, reality hasn't met up with our ideals, and yes. so that becomes frustrating. And we don't look any better than we did when we first started, <laughs> and so that becomes frustrating. Um, so that, I I talk about how to use mindfulness to um, see this this process that's going on, and how to start to turn towards reality instead and notice it and appreciate it and find gratitude for what's really there. Because a run can be really great if you let go of the, the story um, of what, you, what it should be. Uh, the run can be amazing, and so can really anything. Even the person that Absolutely. you're frustrated with, if you turn towards that person, they can be, you can see how amazing this person is and you, how glad you are to have them in your life if you don't look at how you think that they should act yeah, um, which is a really difficult concept, but we start practicing with it during the uh, during the course of the book. Yeah, you know, I think it's a very hard lesson for all of us to learn that we really can't control anyone or anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough. We want to. That's the we problem. Want we don't to. want to let go of that Absolutely. idea. Absolutely. But when you do let go of it, you could really enjoy what's in front of you and who's in front right. of you. And, you know, yeah. the other... The other big issue, I think, for all of us, I know I've struggled with this, and I think I've made some inroads, but I, I've got a ways to go, is not to take anything personally that anyone says to you. Man, if you if you can do that, that is amazing. I mean, you, you've, uh, right? You've let go of a lot of anger and frustration. Absolutely. And you can show... Feelings. Right. And no matter what anybody says to you, you could shower them with love and compassion. Yeah. No matter what it is, because you because you realize that they're looking at their world at at you through a very yeah. small prism through their ideas, right. and it has absolutely right. no validity unless you give it validity. Right. And the thing too is what I'm I'm taking what you said. Um, 
I also uh, look at that as them going through some kind of pain, some kind of anger, some kind of emotional issue. And when someone else is in pain, we can we can internalize it and make it our own pain, but we can exactly. also instead, um, like you said, it's their, something that they're going through that's not necessarily valid, but also it's real pain. Like you can comfort them and Absolutely. You know, see uh, see some compassion for them. So that's, that's another way to approach it. But I, yeah, I definitely don't take it personally because they're going through some pain. Right. And I, and I think along with this, um, I, I know for myself, um, and I could definitely identify with your analogy as a movie that we have in our head, or I call it a soundtrack and a movie too. It's almost right. like we all live in our own virtual reality created by our thoughts, you know? And yeah. then we interact with all these other people who have different virtual realities, different takes on just about everything. And right. I think if we could learn to just respect everybody else's virtual reality, everybody else's movie, we would be in great shape as a species, you know. And when we when we find a common ground with people, when their virtual reality matches ours, you know, that's when we can do things together with other people. That's when there's an attraction. That's when, you know, plans get hatched and they actually get done. You know, so it's all about yeah. – being able to recognize that and total respect for another person's point of view. And a lot of people don't have that, you know, and yeah. I find they don't respect other people's points of view if it's different than their own. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, even if you agree with what you just said, which I, I do, it still can be difficult to remember in the, the heat of an argument, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, Absolutely. It's, it's not like you can just flip a switch and then you found peace. Um, but it, it, I think they are very helpful ideas, and I, I think what you're saying is exactly right. Right, but not so easy to do in practice, you know, like you said, when right. you're in the heat of an argument, you know. But the, the truth of the matter is that everybody is right in their own way. You know, everybody thinks they're right, and people, I, you know, I've come to believe that people are just playing their roles in life to perfection. And you may not like the role they're playing, it may not be for you, but, you know, to them, it's it. Yeah. Because in their mind, yeah. that's exactly what they should be doing. They're playing it to perfection. Right, and so when you start to if, when you start to say, well, they shouldn't be doing that. Exactly. Sometimes it's good to like turn it around and say, well, how can they be right? And what, yeah, what view of but the in world their minds, would they be correct? But I think in their minds, they're right, and, and you know yeah. that's the thing to keep in mind. They're doing what they think is right. You're doing what you think is right. So if you want to have any peace in that situation, you have to recognize that. Because if you're going to constantly butt heads with people that you disagree with, it's going to be hard to find peace in that situation. Yeah, and that's that's part of what the book is about, too. And so it's uh, I started talking about these kind of bigger philosophical ideas that we're talking about, but I found that people – what I did was I, I beta tested this with a bunch of – uh, people I was coaching. I, oh, wow. uh, so I, I gave them all these ideas as I was writing the books. I wrote the book for them, and they gave me feedback and were putting it into practice. And so I found out that by talking about these big ideas, um, it was too much, too much it, for most people. It was, it was, yeah, it was, it was not, it wasn't um, as useful. So what I started doing, I rewrote the entire book and huh. made it more of a practical guide of putting one small change into effect. And right. I found that people like that way more. Um, and the, the the ideas are still there, the ones that we're talking about now, but I, I have them try and put it into practice on a daily basis. And that yeah. way I think I think that's really how you learn how to work with things is just by really doing them. So I, I totally agree with you. Do you talk about um, detachment and the value of that in your book at all? Yeah. So, yeah, I call it... I mean, I talk about attachment, and that's kind of the the reason why we have all this pain in our lives and you know right. resistance. And so, loosening up that grip on again the mind movie that that I talked about or soundtrack as you call it. Um, if you kind of loosen up that group grip, and then again turn towards uh, what's in front of you and kind of mindfully see it and notice it and appreciate it. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how I. I talk about non-attachment but it's those are kind of big big ideas for people to wrap their heads around yeah, you know? yeah, not that yeah. it's 
it's not that far fetched or or um, deep, but it, it definitely uh, it's it's not the way that most people see things. They they want to be attached to what they're attached I to. Know. So it's, it's tough, and and that creates all their problems, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, it's. So, uh, I think the Buddha said that that you know that suffering is a result of all attachments. But of course, right. people want to they want to feel connected to the people they love and the things they love in their life. But you know, to create a, I think I think the trick is just to create some space where you have that freedom of movement, where you're not so attached to the results of every that you do right yeah and so that's that's another chapter in my book is to not attach to results uh, <laughs> so yeah you're you're speaking right to the heart of the book well I, I i think it's great and i think everybody could benefit by being a little more detached in every situation i know that in my own life i experimented with a lot of these concepts in the business world i was in the real estate business for like 12 years and I found that I got amazing results when I was detached from the um, the end product and the results. And I was just, you know, putting the energy out there in a certain way. And mm-hmm. a lot of people didn't know how to respond to that because they were so used to a different approach. We're um, definitely a very um, results-oriented um, society. So right. it's, it's a big... Uh, switch of mental models for people who who are used to that to to see someone who's not doing that yeah it's pretty tough right uh no absolutely so what tips do you give people to help them to become a little more detached in every situation um i to me the the main um tool for that is practicing mindfulness and to see your attachment Mm-hmm. So if you can see what you're you're attaching yourself to, and then if you can see the result of that, see the the pain that comes from that or the frustration that comes from your attachments, if you can see that, then then the next step is to um, loosen up that grip on what you're attached to that's causing the pain, um, and by doing so, you it's a compassionate act. So this is a com- self uh, an act of self compassion is loosening up your grip on the thing that's causing you pain. So that's kind of how I tell people to do it. But it, it's, um, again, um, instead of writing about it that way, I, I talk more about how to, um, you know, if you're dealing with with struggles with the small habit change that you're making during the course of the book, um, how to work with this process. But at the end of it, I, I put it all together when, into a, a method that I call the Zen Habits Method. And it's all about what I just described there here. Um, it's that right. process of mindfully seeing your attachments and how they're causing you pain and then letting go of them as an act of self-compassion, turning towards the reality of the situation or the re- reality of the person in front of you and um, finding something to be grateful for in that. And um, so that's kind of the process. And it helps you to deal not only with habit change but with major life changes that you're going through with personal loss, with um, frustrations with others, and with ha- unhappiness with yourself. So that's kind of what the book um, ends with, is taking what we learned during one small habit change and then applying that method to pretty much any kind of change. Uh, you know, I love um, the way you describe self-compassion. I think that's a very, very um, underutilized idea in our society. Um, you know, people talk about compassion for other people, but very often right. that has to start with compassion for ourselves. Because yeah. you know, how could how could you be compassionate for somebody else when you treat yourself in a shabby way? Impossible. Right, and that's and that's really how you learn compassion. You start doing it to yourself, and then you can understand um, how that's applied to to other people. But if you can't do it for yourself first, um, then right. you don't really understand it. So yeah. I agree with you completely. And it's a really powerful idea, too. I think it, it transforms your life if, once you start working with it. I, I I totally agree. And, you know, I think that, that one thing that would really help people in becoming a little less detached in all of life, life situations is when you stop um, 
sort of defining yourself by what other people think of you. Mm-hmm. In other words, be more inner, um, inner motivated rather than externally affected by what people think. You know, when you realize, hey, you know, what I think about myself is a lot more important than what my friends do. You know, how do I look at this? What do I feel about this? Because I think too many of us are conditioned to seek the approval of other people in just about every life situation. And that yeah. really, you know, that, that I think, um, keeps that stranglehold of attachment going when you're always looking to please other people, but you're never really pleasing yourself. Yeah. You know, and the the flip side of that, though, is um, not to be so attached to the image that you have of yourself. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Is you know, start with that, um, not being so concerned with how other people see you, but also how do you see yourself, and are you attached right. to that? So, I, I think it's both both are useful uh, things to explore. Absolutely. You know, I was talking with a friend of mine recently, and he he mentioned something that I think is also along these lines, but very valuable, which is when you come into a situation with people that you've dealt with before, whether it's business or friendship, try and allow that person to be new in that situation and not bring your preconceived ideas about that person into the situation. So allowing yourself to be new and allowing everybody that you're in contact with to be new in that situation too. I think that's very powerful. Yeah, that, that, that's a great technique. And, uh, you know, all this is just to, I, I think all of these things are designed to, to allow people to really be free in the moment and savor the moment. And, of course, you know, you and I know that, you know, that, that, that whole idea of living in the moment, mindfulness, has been tossed around in authentic and sure. inauthentic formulas. You know, all, so many things sure. have been written about that. And it's so hard to do, to actually just appreciate the moment that you're living in. But I think that's the goal for all of us. I know that I'm working on that. I have, I'm not there yet. I, 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 yeah. I see it as a process, you know? Yeah, I, and I have to say the same for myself. I, I'm still learning all about it, but the more I find out about it and, and the more... I use it the more amazing it seems to me. So that's why I'm trying to spread the the good word. (laughs) Yeah, I I totally agree with you. And, you know, to be able to also, uh, another thing that I found that goes along with the living in the moment is to, you know, show love to everybody that you come into contact with. And that's a very hard thing to actually do, something I'm working on now, you know. Um, Yeah. But to realize that everybody on a certain level is you that you come into contact with. You know, everyone really mirrors you in a sense. Um, And when you realize that, that if you lash out at somebody, you're really lashing out at yourself in a way, if you subscribe to that point of view. Right. Yeah, there's the idea that we're not not separate from each other. It just seems like... Exactly. And I think people are moving to that idea, and that's also a very powerful concept to to put into practice in your life. And, a very, and, and you know, it's as easy or as difficult as it's going to be. You know, I, I used to say in conversations with people, oh, that's going to be easy, that's going to be difficult. And now I try not to project whether something's going to be easy or difficult on anybody because <laughs> because that's also trying to control it in a way, you know to control the situation. And I think it's just better to allow people to take whatever time they need to do exactly what they need to do. Yeah, it is powerful stuff. You know, the the thing about that idea of um, not being separate, that that actually was going to be my, um, the core of the book. And again, I found through, through testing with these uh, beta testers, when I was first writing the book, um, people didn't really want to, they didn't really subscribe to that idea. <laughs> I'm not surprised. You know, if, you, if you're not in the right place, it's hard to uh, no. It's hard to open up to that those kinds of ideas. Absolutely, so, I think that for a lot of people, that would give them spiritual indigestion. Yeah, they're like, oh, I don't believe this at all, and I'm like, okay, well, exactly. you need to come up with a new approach. I mean, to try and to to float that idea in a society like the United States, you know, in 2014, uh-huh. is a very challenging. Thing. If, I believe that it's true, but 
you know, a lot of people are not ready to hear that. And I don't think they, you know, because we still live in an extremely selfish society. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, and we get lost in our uh, self-centeredness sometimes. And I think I do too, so I can't, um, I can't do too. really blame Without question. Yeah. Without question, I do as well. Um, but I think that the um, the things you're talking about in this new book are going to help people to move away from that autopilot selfishness, you know, that that they've been bred with, that they've been conditioned to think is the only way to go. Because for so many people, as I'm sure you know um, from from the feedback you get, people are living in misery from following um, what society tells them that they should be doing. They're, they're miserable. Yeah. I, have, so, I definitely have gotten a lot of, of people who are going through really, really hard times um, in a lot of ways. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's pretty tough. And that's, kind of, that's actually why I wrote the book, was for those people, um, which I think in some ways is all of us. We, we all absolutely, struggle absolutely. in some way. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so what are some of the other um, uh, highlights of the book that you can share with us in like the five minutes remaining in our show? Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> Not so to put any pressure on you, chapter- Leo. <laughs> yeah. One of the last chapters is on uh, something I mentioned, which is unhappiness with ourselves. And I right. found, again, through coaching, not only this small group, but, but larger groups of thousands of people, that this actually is the root of a lot of people's struggles. It's just that they're just unhappy with themselves, and they don't believe that they're going to be able to make any kind of change um, and so I kind of dive into that and applying, again, the same method um, that I mentioned earlier to our unhappiness with ourselves and how to overcome, start to overcome that and to start to see ourselves and be appreciative, that, that kind of self-compassion that we talked about. Uh, uh, I love that term. I think that's great. Yeah. And then the other um, thing to kind of go on a complete 180-degree uh, turn here is um, I have a little game that I call the Zen Habits game, and it's uh, to be played with other people, and it's for creating new habits. Um, and so it's something that you might do with with a group of friends, or find a, a you know make a Facebook group online, and uh, you make this habit change together. And it's really to encourage each other to um, stick to something. And I think what what that does is it um, you know a lot of people uh, face. Um, they face difficulties when there's other people in their lives who don't want to make changes or mm-hmm. who are resistant to their changes. So if you do it as a group, you're much more likely to be open to everyone else's changes and be supporting each other's changes. And so that's kind of the idea. And to make it fun, I think we're when things are fun, we're more likely to enjoy it and stick to it. So that's kind of the idea. It's kind of a lighthearted way to make these changes together uh, with other people in your lives. I think that's a terrific idea. And, you know, um, what you said a few moments ago as to what the barrier is for many people to change their self-image, what, how they see themselves. You know, right. I, I thought about this for a while, and it never ceases to amaze me how projections from other people influence us when we're growing up. For instance, if you're in school and the teacher singles you out as a stupid person and keeps referring to you that way, you start to internalize that. And you could be the smartest person on earth, but you could grow up thinking, you're dumb. <laughs> yeah. And it, until you realize that other people, any anything they project on you is basically a function of their own value system and is really a reflection of how they feel on themselves about themselves. But, but kids don't know that. So when we're growing up, we get all kinds of projections onto ourselves. Yep. And it's very, very hard to get rid of those deep-seated feelings. And I think that's what most people face. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. And like you said, it starts in childhood when we're not prepared to deal with that kind of stuff. Right. So, and, and then it takes root, and that's it becomes our worldview. So how do you get out of that? Uh, that's, that's tough stuff. It's tough stuff, so, but I think you know. I think when people realize that it's just an idea that was projected onto you, and you've internalized it, you know, mm-hmm. people have to understand and accept that whole formula in order to get rid of it. I think. So to, to wrap up, uh, what the book is about, um, the one of the last things I I ask people to do 
um, you start with making a small change for yourself. And in doing so, you start to change yourself. You start to, again, uh, find that self-compassion, change your self-image, um, and change your belief in yourself. But um, I think that's that's really a genesis for larger change in the world. When you start to be happy with yourself, you project that onto other people, and you're you're happier. Like you said, you start to love everyone you come into contact with. And um, I think that radiates out to everyone else. I think people see that and um, become inspired by it. They become influenced by it. And so your small change can be the start of a change movement. And that's really what I'd like to create with this book is everyone start with small changes with themselves, but be the inspiration for others and be the positive influence on in other people's lives. And that can radiate out to other people making changes in their lives. And I hope people uh, take the book that they, if they do get it um, and pass it on and let other people um, start to implement some of these ideas. I think that's uh, a more than worthy goal. And I'm reminded of that song many years ago, you, um, We Are the World, you know? Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and actually, when you think about it, when you change your world individually, that is the world, you know, you know, all these external events happening around us are on a certain level just like um, an illusion. You know, they're not really your world. They're things that are, they're events that are happening throughout the world, but they're not really your world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so when you actually change things in your individual world, that is, that's the place that we have the most effectiveness. We can't change whether or not there's a war going on in Iraq or Afghanistan. Right. We can't do right. that individually. So I think what you said is extremely valid and true, and um, I wish you the greatest success with your new book, uh, Zen Habits, Mastering the Art of Change. It's been a pleasure having you on the show, Leo. And, yeah, um, it's been a pleasure being here. And um, I, I, um, I advise all our listeners to check out the new book and to support it on Kickstarter. Uh, Leo, I wish you the best of success with the book and um, have a great rest of the day. I know it's, you're just sort of getting, well, it's mid-afternoon, early afternoon in California. Yeah. I'm, I'm in New yeah. York, so you know, it's um, getting to be late afternoon. But uh, you have a little more of the day ahead of you than I do, but <laughs> I hope you enjoy it and, um, and make whatever changes you want to in the rest of the day. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I, I want to say thank you to you and to everyone who's, who's listening. Um, and if you want to check out the book, uh, you can go to a uh, URL that I made, which is zenhabits.net slash fund, F-U-N-D. And that's to go to the Kickstarter campaign to support it if you want to. But thank you for having me on here. I really appreciate it. And it was fun talking to you. Uh, I totally agree. Um, have a great afternoon, and goodbye to all our listeners. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks.